This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Hey, yo, what up? Who that go Saints? It is the post-win episode of Inside Black and Gold. The one you have been waiting for. It's actually game day and we're actually able to record. This has always been the plan for home games. The problem is there just has not been many of them, first of all. And the last one was on a Thursday. And so that didn't happen. But this is our late night post-game edition of Inside Black and Gold. We're going to go through the what did work, what didn't work. We're going to get into a live mailbag. I'm Jeff Nowak. We're joined here shortly by... Steve Geller, who just hosted for 10 hours and is for some reason still wants to go on and, and talk about Saints. I guess when you win, when you win, things are better, but all's well that ends well. And it looks like we've got Steve right here now. He's in the tie-dye shirt, so be prepared. What's happening? Steve. What's going on, dude? Man, how's Bobby doing? Uh, everyone's feeling good, as you know, after a victory for sure. It wasn't Obviously, you hear ugly, wasn't pretty, whatever it was. It was a victory, though. We got two in a row. And, oh, by the way, this is the uh, top of the NFC South podcast, too, now. Yeah, the five and four. <laughs> the NFC South first place, you know. And, it, and I mean, it didn't look like it was going to be the case. Like, the Falcons, you know, had to blow that game against the Vikings and the Texans. I mean, I saw the Bucks take the lead in, the, in like the last minute, and I was like, "Oh, it's over." And then, and then CJ Stroud goes down the field, four hundred and seventy yards. That's a rookie passing record, just domination. That, that that was the game too with the running back kicking a field goal. Yeah, Dare Ugumbawale. What? <laughs> yeah. What? I mean, geez. And wait, yeah. Anyway, well, we'll we'll get to that. But we're here to talk about Saints twenty four, Bears seventeen, and Ooh. you know, I. I I think, you know, you would think after a win, your head coach would come out 
and be like super, oh yeah, great. I think DA was kind of pissed after this game. Clearly, and yeah. particularly because of what happened on defense, because Dennis Allen, I guarantee you, is very much tired of watching his defense come out and get run ragged in the first half. It's four consecutive weeks. They've allowed 17 plus points in the first half. Now you look at this team and you're like, okay, you know, all, all of that, all of the struggles they had, and they still held the bears to three points in the second half somehow. Um, But, you know, first thing, like this is what DA had to say when he came out. And I think, you know, it's like when you hear coaches, you know, it's coach speak to an extent, but at the same time, it's true. There's only 32 teams in the NFL, and the baseline is very high. Good win. You know, hard-fought win. Look, none of these are ever easy in our league. All right? And for anybody that ever thinks that you got an easy one, you're, you're waiting to get your ass beat. Um, so uh, it was a good win for us. We're excited about the win. Um, and, and moving forward and, and, and getting ready to go play uh, Minnesota. So You know, to me, it's like, it's like yeah, this – I think coaches get tired of hearing like, oh, the Bears aren't very good. The Saints should roll in this game. And in reality, it's like every team in the NFL is good to an extent. They all have pros on them, on these rosters. Like it's not going to ever be this walkover. Occasionally it is. Occasionally the team just doesn't show up. But that wasn't the case with the Bears today. They played hard. But what about when you have five turnovers in a game and you only win by seven? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> well, so so we're going to get into that in the in the what didn't work segment. But first things first, I do like you look at the five turnovers and you say, OK, well, the defense struggled to get off the field. But in the second half, they did make Tyson Bajan look like a rookie. Right. And Those Paulson second half Debo, adjustments. <laughs> we'll get to the it's second amazing. half adjustment. DA is tired of talking about second half adjustments. Actually, we, we don't need to waste any more time. I mean, I have, you know, DA, you talk about, it's like, oh, he doesn't have a ton of passion out there. He oh, is man. pissed off when you, if, if he gets asked about second half adjustments one more time, I don't know what he's going to say. Let's, listen to this. That's are over freaking rated. <laughs> All right. Stop. Okay. Play better. Coach better. Execute. Do your job. That's what it's about. Okay. So that's what the communication was at halftime. You know, we didn't come in there and just change the whole freaking game plan. All right, we haven't done it any any week up to this point. Okay, what we've done is we've called better calls and we've executed better. And we need to start doing that early on. Bravo, right. Right, and, and that's like, I, I, Peyton Manning said this on one of the Manning casts, and I think it caught some people off guard, but it's true. Like, you don't have time. It's not like they go into the locker room and sit down at a table and like, okay, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to fix this? All right, change this up. It's like, no, they go in there, they go to the bathroom. Maybe they have a yay, rah, rah, get your shit together kind of speech. That's about it. You're not making a ton. Like, you'll make adjustments throughout the game. But this idea that you go in and have, like, the idea of a halftime adjustment, like you go in there and suddenly come out with a new plan, that's all make-believe. That's just like what you say on the broadcast because the team looks like a different team in the second half. But it's usually just like you're doing the you're, you're doing the plan and you're doing it better, <laughs> you know. And I think that's what Da is tired of hearing about. It's like, oh, the second half. Adjust-. It's like, no, we just played better in the second half. And it's like, and that's why you look at the first half and you're like, well, why aren't you playing better in the first half? Right. And that's what the coach is so pissed about. No, you you definitely see it there. And yeah, you you obviously understand coach's frustration because that's how the fans are feeling too, man. You were worried right up to the end of this, to, to this one, like the, the team was going to end up coughing it up somehow. 
because we've seen misery like this happen in the past. But man, what what a stellar game from uh, from from Adebo, obvious, honestly. I mean, clearly, easily, you usually sometimes have to d- debate like player of the game. But when when he puts up numbers like that, it's hard not to give it to him. <laughs> oh, it, it, he was incredible. And, you know, I, I don't th- I was not actually concerned because I could tell you it's like Tyson Bajan was not driving the field at that moment. Like you, you it was I, I didn't it was annoying to watch <laughs> them have to kind of eke it out when they could have been up by three scores minimum. Right. Uh, but I was not worried. Like at, the, at that point, the defense was balling out. There was they were not getting driven on. But no, you talk about Paul Debo, and I'd like to harken back to training camp when we were talking about these position battles. And I came on this podcast, and I was like, you know what? I think Paul Debo is going to win the starting outside corner job. He's the best option. He's played very well, and I think everyone's overreacting a little bit to how good Alante looked as a rookie and some of the struggles that Paulson had because he is very consistent. He's a very good player. And the biggest issue he has had in the past is he gets his hand on a ton of balls, but he wasn't able to come down with them. Well, what are we saying this, this year? What does he have? He had two interceptions in this game. He forced a fumble in this game. He, he, forced, another, he forced another fumble against Jacksonville. I mean, this guy, his fingerprints are everywhere on these games. And, that's what you need across from Marshawn because teams don't want to throw at Marshawn, but they have to throw at somebody. So they're going to throw at Paulson and you need that guy to go make plays. And by golly, he has made plays, <laughs> play after play after play. And I talked to Pete Warner about this in the locker room. And it's like, it's, it's like when you have a defense that's struggling to get off the field and you have one guy who is just making big plays and swinging momentum on his own it just gives everybody a lift. And I think that interception he had in the first half, that changed momentum. The Saints were struggling. They were on the struggle bus when it came to stopping Tyson Bagent, to containing quarterbacks. It's been an issue all season. But there's worse things to be than the than the team that isn't necessarily completely locked down on defense, but takes advantage of opportunities. And like if you want to look back at 2009, Right, the team that won the Super Bowl. In no way am I comparing this 2023 Saints to the 2009 Super Bowl championship Saints. But one of the defining characteristics of that Saints team was the ability to. They didn't have a lockdown defense. They didn't have a, a you know a monsters of the midway type Bears defense. But they turned the ball over. They got takeaways and they scored touchdowns. Exactly. They <laughs> got takeaways. They scored points, and the defense stepped up in big moments. For sure. And that's kind of what I see from this defense. They're not, you know, one of those elites. Okay, you're not getting any yards. You're not getting any traction. But they make big plays in big moments. And, I I mean, Paul Sandebo is a great example of that. Like, he's – I talked to him earlier this offseason. I was like, is it weird knowing that you could be in perfect coverage and they're still going to throw the ball at you because they're not throwing at Marshawn, but the ball still has to come out? And he basically said, if you're a cornerback – and you don't want the ball thrown in your direction, so you have a chance to make a play on it, you're probably in the wrong position. And I think that's kind of, he's taking that to heart. He's like, you want to throw me, fine. (laughs) I'm going to make you pay for it. And, you know, all the credit in the world to Paulson, because I think he's gotten a lot of grief. He gets a lot of the attention because the balls get thrown at him all the time. And he has stepped up. He cut out the penalties, zero penalties the last two weeks after at least one penalty in each of his first six starts. I don't think you could be playing at a much higher level than he is right now. Yeah, great to see. Obviously, it's something like a dude we definitely talked about 
of being around the ball, getting his hands on stuff, maybe being a little too handsy, obviously in coverage. That was a big issue with him. That it was a big concern, but breaking up the pass. Yeah. That was constantly like, okay, so sure he can break it up, but when's he going to start hauling him in? And uh, yeah, he's been making up for it this season for sure. And that, and that, that punch out, right? Like he's just making plays, he's making impact punch now. Right. And he wasn't alone. Right, Marcus May, who I think oh, had a such a beautiful pick, he had a rough day. <laughs> I think Marcus May has been one of the weak spots on this defense, and I think at a certain point you have to consider looking at Jordan Howden as your your plug and play safety with with Tyron because he's been very good, and I think he's been a little bit more consistent in terms of being a tackler and and in terms of getting after. It. I think he would be a better spy in, in situations where you need to just have someone accounting for the quarterback. And I don't think Marcus May did that well today at all. But that interception was mint. You know, yeah, he had one. Demario had one where he knocked the ball out, basically ended the game. Pete Warner picked it up. I mean, it's just these guys just keep making play after play after play. And, you know, again, it's like you look at that. They had that long drive. The Bears had that long drive in the second half. The Bears had a couple long drives in the first half. But you held for a field goal. And that's it. That's it. And, and you know, that opening drive from the Bears was a huge kick to the nuts. Every single opening drive, right? <laughs> and it, when you're, when you're ta- looking at DA, and, and we talked about this, like he didn't look like if, if I didn't know any better, I would assume the Saints lost based on yeah. his tone in his press conference because he's pissed off and he should be because, yeah. you know, he takes personal responsibility for this defense as he should. And that's just not a good look to get taken for a ride and not be able to contain Tyson Bajan, you know, and, and like Tyson, I think played well, but you know, it was a lot more about the saints, like that third and 12, you know, and, and I saw people griping about, well, why did he accept that penalty instead of putting him at fourth and two, they were right. going to go for it. Exactly. Right? And, and so to me, your options are allow them to go for it on fourth and two or, or force them into a third and long exactly. and see if their rookie quarterback tries to make something happen and makes a mistake. And it's like, yeah, in, you're, you're expecting to not allow a first down there, but that's been the biggest issue for this team is, you know, you lose contain on the rush. And, and DA did talk about um, that a little bit because I think that's been, you know, we're going to actually, that's going to be in our what didn't work segment. So I take that back. We're not going to talk about that, but that's been one of the bigger issues is just containing quarterbacks. One thing I do want to get into the, keep this into the what did work part. All right. And one of the things that's been working the last two weeks, it's been heavily talked about, right? Red zone efficiency. The Saints were, in my opinion, perfect in the red zone against the Colts. The only failed right. red zone trip was late in the game where they were running out the clock and they ended up kicking a field goal because the field goal iced the game and you weren't doing anything that would that would risk fumbling or anything like that. Same thing in this game. You got the ball into the red zone at the end of the game. You ran out the clock. So... I, that doesn't to me. You cut that. You, you erase that from the red zone statistics. You won't. That won't happen in the record book. But to me, from a practical perspective of talking about red zone efficiency, they were perfect in the red zone today, and they've been perfect in the red zone for back to back weeks. And why has that been the case? Because Taysom Hill is the most elite red zone weapon in the NFL, bar none. In all facets, right? Whether he's catching the ball, whether he's running the ball, whether he's throwing the ball. He had a receiving touchdown in the red zone this week. He had a passing touchdown in the red zone this week. Last week, he had two rushing touchdowns. The man is a weapon. And 
I appreciate that, you know, like there's been some talk about whether Derek Carr likes to come off the field. And it's like, what quarterback wants to come off the field? Like, right. if you're a quarterback that's sitting there like, please take me out right now so that someone else can score this touchdown, then you're not you're not the guy I want leading a team anyway. But I don't think he has any issue coming off the field when the result is a touchdown. Now, when the result is third and eight, and you have to make something happen, which is what happened in this game before that Chris Olave touchdown. That's a different story, but you know, like that's the, the red zone efficiency and the, and the ability to get Taysom involved. Those are two very connected things. And I've been very pleased with, with what that's looked like over the last few weeks. And you mentioned the, obviously the share time now with Derek Carr has to deal with, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we all know, obviously Drew Brees was fully on board with it. He even lobbied for as much as Taysom as you could, uh, within the offense if it helped the team win. And I think Carr's in that same mindset of, yeah, I, I get what he's adding and can do that I can't do on the field. Uh, and it just has – yeah, the, the offense, man, has been putting out the yardage, and it's good to see them the, – the progress and being able to finish now has been awesome. Well, today he got, you know, so much man coverage, you know, and – you know, usually, you know, when we're in there throwing the ball, like, you know, we don't we don't get much man. And when we do, usually it's a, a good play for us. And, you know, that, and that's across the league. That's not just us. That's across the league, right? They were playing some man things, and that's why his touchdown, man, is wide open. You know, Jawan comes back, boom, we have a big play. And you see just his ability to run the football. They got to load the box. If you don't load the box, he can throw it, you know. And uh, he's been so good in that role here for so long, you know. Uh, you know, and I remember watching the clips of, you know, growing up of when when it was Drew playing quarterback. And, and I was like, man, you know, I was from afar. I was like, man, they're taking Drew off the field. And then you get here like, I see why, you know, <laughs> this guy's this guy's pretty good. And so um, he's great in what he does for us. And he's a, a ultimate competitor, great friend. He's been amazing to me since I got here. Um, and, you know, I I celebrate him every chance I get because of, you know, that just doesn't come around all the time. A guy that can go from tight end to running back from special teams, you know, blocking on a punt, you know, punt return to playing tight end to going to quarterback to playing F receiver like that just doesn't happen all the time. So, um, you know, he's he's one of my favorite teammates, but he's just an ultimate competitor and I love him. I like that he said growing up as if like Taysom has been in the league since like 2014. Oh, um, man, Taysom. Like he's, we're talking about like, like 2019, 2018, like he was a five, like Derek Carr was a five-year veteran in the NFL when Taysom Mills came onto the scene, <laughs> but he talks about it like, oh yeah, I remember me in high school watching Taysom run around anyway. Uh, but no, like it, it's, it's very cool. And the other thing that you have gotten into doing with uh, Taysom Hill in these sets and it's fun. And every week you see a new wrinkle, Colin Saunders, baby, the full bank. The Binkatron, I think, is his new nickname for himself. So that <laughs> touchdown to Jawan Johnson, and if you go back and watch the replay, that play was designed to go to Colin Saunders in the flat. They were that he was the primary on that play. The goal of that play was for Taysom Hill to throw a touchdown to Colin Saunders. Now, you run that play because it's basically this the same thing as like when you get your left tackle eligible and he's just standing by himself and you throw it to him and the only question is whether he can actually catch a ball, right? That's what you expect to happen when you sneak Colin Saunders out into the flat. Well, that's not what happened. The bear It's almost like the Bears overthought it and they actually devoted two defenders to Colin Saunders and left Jawan Johnson standing 
by himself in the end zone. Like that's how how much this defense makes. I'm sorry, make this this Saints offensive attack when it's utilizing Taysom, when it's utilizing Colin, has gotten other teams into their own heads where they yeah. are double covering a defensive tackle out of the backfield and leaving the tight end that led your team in receiving touchdowns last year standing alone in the back of the end zone. And I asked, you know, we talked to Colin about this. Unfortunately, the music in the locker room is so loud that my audio files are unusable, unless you want to hear Lil Wayne with some mumbling in the background. Um, but I asked Derek about like what it's like to see that. And, uh, and this we said. I believe that play was designed to go to Colin. Is it kind of wild to see a defensive tackle dragging multiple defenders and leaving Jawan standing myself? Hilarious. <laughs> uh, is, uh, you know, I've, I've played with my fair share of um, uh, you know, good players on the skill positions. I've never seen someone attract that much attention on a football play. So uh, credit to him. Um, you know, him and I got to put him and Devante in the same category now, uh, you know, and being able to attract attention. So <laughs> him and Mike T taking double teams today, they attract attention. Uh, I think I put 99 in that category too. So you said Binkatron? Binkatron. Yeah. Like a Megatron, huh? Basically. And, uh, and he said that Juwan owes him a thank you for the, for the wide open touchdown, which is true. I mean, he also went in motion on that last play, uh, one of those later plays. And it was like the fastest motion I've ever seen. <laughs> it was just full. Like you see guys go in motion and they're fast guys in most cases. So they're kind of, you know, they're not, they're not running full speed, but they're still going pretty fast. <laughs> like Colin, if you go back and watch it, he went in motion full sprint <laughs> all the way across. Um, that was one of those last plays uh, as they were icing the game. But but again, like one thing that I do appreciate about this offense is the attack. It's enjoyable. Like there's so many different ways it can beat you. Michael Thomas did not catch a pass today. He did force a penalty. Um, he was targeted, I want to say, twice. One of those was erased because it drew a penalty. But you you managed to win this game without Michael Thomas catching a pass. And I just think that there's, you know, when this offense is working, it's finding ways to get everyone involved. I do have to, I do have to apologize to anyone who took my advice and started Jamal Williams because it just did not work. And I will say that the logic behind that for me was the Saints would be playing with a lead and he would get a lot of carries. And if you watch how they started this game, I think they did want to run Jamal and get Jamal going. He was in for the first three snaps of the game. And but I do think that, you know, as you kind of got into this game and it was a little more of a barn burner than you expected, you didn't run the ball at all. I mean, Taysom Hill out ran for 52 yards. Beyond that, Alvin Kamara, nine carries for 26 yards. Jamal Williams, three carries for six yards. Kendra Miller, one carry for zero yards. So your running backs accounted for 32 yards on 13 carries. So just generally speaking, you did not run the ball. No, no, you mentioned obviously we, Mill, uh, Miller was disappointing to see him. He really, did have that one play. Uh, but like, uh, I know he left the game with an injury, right? Yeah, he had a, he had that screen pass that went for 31 yards and then he left with an ankle sprain, um, which is not good. But again, you know, you do have a stable of running backs that you feel good about. So, you know, hopefully his injury is nothing significant. But if it is, you do have the bodies to withstand it. One other thing that I did want to point out that that definitely worked. And again, you know, we're we're talking about the kicking game and we talked about Darren Rizzi and you know, I think that Lou Headley has not been nearly as bad 
as a lot of people seem to think he has been. And, and I just, I think it's, it doesn't look the same as you're used to. And, right. and I understand that he doesn't have a cannon leg, so he's not flipping the field. I think that's my biggest criticism is when he's kicking from the goal line, right? Or he's kicking, you're backed up and you just need a kick to, to get it out past midfield. That's not where he's at his best. And so it's going to be frustrating to watch him do that. But when you look at kind of the, the, the balance of his work, he just constantly is pinning got teams inside the 20. I mean, you know, he had that kick today where, you know, and I give credit to Isaac Yadam too. I think Isaac Yadam has been excellent in getting downfield and, and stopping these kicks short of the goal line. He had one against the Colts where he was just right there. The ball kicked at the nine right into his arms and he pinned him at the three. <laughs> this week, he made one of the best special teams plays I have ever seen in that ball kind of bounding in and he just kind of slapped it out of bounds at the two. And like the difference between starting at the 20 and starting at the two, it's basically a turnover because the offense is bare. All they're going to do is try to get out the, of the shadow of their own goalpost. If they get a first down, great, but they're, they're not throwing it. They're not getting, they're not getting aggressive. They're just trying to survive. And you know, that's, People said, well, it doesn't like it wasn't Headley because Yadam made a good play. Well, he still had to make the kick that allowed Yadam to make the good play. He's made, he's punted eight times over the last two games. Seven of those kicks have been down inside the 20. And one of them that wasn't, I would argue, is one of his best kicks of the season. It was a 48 yard net punt that was downed at the 23 yard line. Zero return yards. None of these kicks have been returned. And so, you know, you look at Lou and you say, well, why? It doesn't always look right. It's not always perfect. But at the end of the day, it's effective. And so, you know, I, I, I think that I want him to get better. He's a rookie. He will get better. But I don't, there's this idea that like, oh, they should cut Lou Headley. They should try out punters and bring somebody else. And I don't think he's been an issue, especially the last two weeks. Now, that kick against the Jags late in the game, that was a bad one, right? He's had some bad kicks. Right. Every punter makes bad kicks, right? You look back at the Bengals game last year, Blake Gillikin made a terrible kick. It happens. It's it's just something you live with from a punter perspective. But I think that, you know, these last two weeks, you've gotten a very good showing of what Lou Headley can do. And, you know, I, I don't think that it's, it's been that big of an issue. No, you're right. When Even when you look at the numbers, it's like, Inside the 20, uh, the, the net yardage, the, the the net gain kind of deal with him, it doesn't look pretty all the time. He was definitely more inconsistent earlier in the year. You mentioned the Jags game, obviously, too, but at, at, le at least the last two outings have been pretty good from him. But I, I don't think he's really, you know, you can say, oh, the, the Saints, they, that he cost them the game kind of deal. Uh, or anything in, in, a, in a special teams situation where, you know, some there was some ire that was drawn towards, I'll say, like, you know, Blake Groupie, the kicker. Even now, I know, folks, he made a 55-yarder today, but, he you know, you missed we'll one that you should have today. It's, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's a frustrating part of his game. I want to talk about Blake, but I don't want to talk about it here. I got uh, you. But, I, I mean, just my, my point is, like, what are your expectations for your punter? Like, what do you need from your punter? And to me, what you need is a guy who's consistently going to put the ball inside the 20. And yes, you would love for him to be able to flip the field. Now, you know, you're not always going to get both of those things. But I do think that you're getting, when you're talking about going in punts, he's been very good. And so, 
you know, I just, I don't know. I, I feel the need to, to protect Lou. Uh, just this, the tattooed Aussie man who definitely does not need my help. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 every time I tweet about Lou Headley, I get these responses like, Oh, he's terrible. Cut him. And was, I don't know. I think you're missing the point personally, but, uh, well, that's it. That's well, all I got. I like anything, else, anything else that worked that you want to highlight before we move on? I'm trying to think real quick. Uh, I'll give, um, it wasn't like a major extreme game, but props to Chris Olave, kind of a slump buster, you know, making a few grabs and getting into the end zone. I would have liked to see. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny because he did get in the end zone. He had a couple of nice plays. I, I appreciate the, the, the completion rate, like six for eight, as opposed to six for 15. Right. Um, <laughs> I would have liked to say, you know, the, the passing game was not as as high octane as I would have liked. Um, yeah. But one thing that I talked to, I asked Derek Carr about after the game, and I think is very is very relevant to keeping yourself in games and winning games. This Saints team has not turned the ball over much at all, and so if it's it, I keep people complain, oh, captain checkdown, captain checkdown. Well, you know, the other team turned the ball over five times today. Right. Like that's an option, too. You could make dangerous throws and you could squeeze the ball into tight windows, but that's not always the best option. And when you have your defense play in the way it was in the second half, no, you're not. The best option is not always going to be to squeeze the ball. And sometimes you just live to play another down. You know, Derek Carr has thrown four interceptions. Jameis Winston has one interception and the Saints have lost three fumbles. So through nine weeks, you have nine. I'm sorry, eight giveaways. And 18 takeaways. You are plus 10 in the turnover margin. And so to me, that's been something that, you know, that's not for nothing, right? Four interceptions through nine weeks. That's pretty impressive in my opinion. And could the off, could, could the passing game be a little more high octane? Sure. But, you know, I, I, I think that when you're taking care of the ball, the way the saints have, you can afford to be a little bit more, a little bit more conservative. So no, you you mentioned the takeaways too. What an awesome thing to see after how few we were getting last year, and it, thought, it felt like anytime you were able to get one, it was like a miracle. And, and I this first season, in the NFL, right? A, a, unreal turnaround from from that aspect. Huge props to whatever went into that. Who who knows? But they've been. The, those bounces that you know everyone complained about weren't going your way or being you know maybe just a tick too late that's not happening this year which is awesome to see uh another positive I'll, I'll shout out to cam jordan who i thought had his best game of the year i thought you really felt him i don't know if it was because matt ryan was in the building or not he had a solid game he had a sack um yeah i mean the, the defensive line i don't think played particularly well in general but uh, let's let's talk about that on the back end of this break. This is Inside Black and Gold. We talked about what did work. Now I want to get to what didn't work. What went wrong in this game? So we'll be right back with that. We're, we're going to close out with a mailbag. So if you have any questions, comments, hot takes, whatever, the name of your cat, I don't care. Throw it in there and we will get to it. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Stick around. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. And this is the What Didn't Work segment. And, you know, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. One thing that you mentioned before we went to break is is the pass rush. And while it, it got home in the second half, and you saw the results of that, when the Saints were able to put pressure on Tyson Bajant and make him have to make plays, make him have to, uh, you know, work off schedule a little bit, he looked like a rookie. He threw a couple picks. You know, they they forced a couple fumbles, uh, one of them on Bajant. And, you know, like that was that was the difference in the game, I think, in the second half where you held him to three points. You had your kind of typical, like, lockdown second half that we have seen week in, week out. Um, but you didn't see the pass rush in the first half. And, and especially when it came to being having gap integrity and, and containing. And uh, I thought what DA said after the game uh, was, was actually pretty, pretty on point when it came to that. That you have to rush a quarterback, you know, and if everybody just tries to go and win their one-on-one battle, all right, then there's no structure to how you're rushing this guy. And, and that's how quarterbacks escape. And so we have to do a better job of understanding the rush plan and do a better job of making sure that we're all working together in the rush plan so when the quarterback does try to escape, all right, then we have somebody there to, to, to get him down. So uh, that has to be better because that stinks right now. Yeah, and, and so I kind of, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, the offensive line and the defensive line are two very different things. But I do think that, the offense, like when you're talking about an offensive line, one of the one of the characteristics of it that is important is all five guys need to be working together. You need everyone to understand what everyone else is doing so that, you know, it's not just a complete breakdown. It's not everyone doing their own thing. And I think too often with the Saints defensive line, that's what you have. You have four guys rushing and just kind of doing their own thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, one guy gets upfield and there's a gap and Tyson Bajan's very athletic. He ran for 70 yards in this game. And just, you know, you saw it against Trevor Lawrence, right? You saw it against CJ Stroud. You saw it against Baker Mayfield. You saw it against Jordan Love. You cannot allow the quarterback to just go unencumbered up the field. I think Bryce Young even had a couple scrambles like that. And it's just week after week after week, you you get hit with the same thing. And like like I said, like we said in the first segment, when you're listening to DA talk, sounds like the coach of the losing team because he's so frustrated, but it's just the same thing over and over again. And, and a lot of it is just understanding the plan. Um, and so to me, that's one of the things that did not work was the containment and it has not worked all season. And in a game like this, where you are such, you're the better team, right? You're going against the rookie. You can trust him to make some rookie mistakes. You can take advantage of that. You're able to overcome it. You know, if you go up against a team like the Eagles, right, a team with a quarterback who can who can hurt you in that way and just an overall really good football team, that's going to kill you. That is going to kill you in those matchups. And so you've got to be better. Thankfully, you know, I think the Saints have some time. They, they can get to that point because I think they can win the NFC South <laughs> with a 500 record <laughs> based on what we have seen thus far. And so you worry about that matchup when you get to it, if you get to it. But, you know, it's got to be frustrating for these coaches to watch week after week after week. I was blown away. You know, halftime, you're looking at stats, and the the Bears had 100 yards rushing by halftime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That blows you away. It's like, how is is that happening? Um, And yet, Tyson Badgen 
looked way too comfortable early on. And that's that's the nauseating broken record right there of talking about first halves with this defense for whatever reason. I won't I, I love DA. You know, we heard him in the press conference talking about there's no those magical halftime adjustments are aren't happening. It's just better coaching, better play calling. Well, how the how the hell do we get that to start the games? And I know they're trying to figure it out too. Eggs. What is the issue? Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tyson Bajan, eight carries for 70 yards, 8.8 yards per carry. Uh, no, not Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah. Deontay <laughs> Foreman also had a really good day, 20 yeah, carries. Yeah, I sat him in fantasy. Yeah. Idiot. 0.2 yards per carry. Hey, I sat CJ Stroud, so we can, oof, we can oof. talk about that one. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I won still. So Okay, I'm, that's you know. a that's a positive, right? Deshaun Watson, I think I played I think I played Deshaun over him and he had a solid day. Okay. Um, but yeah, and and you know, he said we, you know, the Saints, if the Saints can't hold this team down on the run part of it, they could have trouble, right? The only way the the only way the Bears win this game is running the ball and forcing turnovers, right? And they ran the ball very won. well. <laughs> what they didn't do is force turnovers. And I think if you have oh, one man. bad turnover in that game, you might lose it. That's how close it was. And like I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything. Like this offense should have put more points on the board. And one of the one of the ways they could have done that was with the next thing that didn't work. And it's Blake Groupie. And and now I understand 55 yard field goal. He he nailed that one. And and I think that there was some weight of coming off his shoulders there because he had missed his last two 50 plus yard attempts. But then you go out there, it's a 47 yarder. You know, that's got to be almost automatic. That's got to be sure. like a 90, 95% scenario inside 50. It's got to be, especially indoors, no wind. There, there you go, no right? Wind. Perfect conditions. Yeah. Like that's got to be, like if you got that as a game winning kick, that should be money. Money you in should the bank. not even think twice about it. That's a make. And right now, it just doesn't feel that way. And, you know, I, I tweeted during the game, like, I think the Saints need to sit down and have some serious conversations about Blake Groupie and, and whether he is the best option. Like, but it's not as simple as just cut Blake Groupie and find somebody else, right? Because... Not that easy, right? No, I mean, like, like again, it's kind of like when we talked about, oh, the Saints should take the play calling away from Pete Carmichael and give it to Ronald Curry. And it's like, you're assuming that there is only better options available. But in reality, it could get worse, right? He did make a 55-yarder in this game. He missed that 47-yarder by inches, right? It hit the it hit the upright. You know, the guy from the Bears also missed a kick. I was going to say, so, whose doink was louder? They were both pretty loud. <laughs> they hit opposite sides of the same goalpost. They, like, balanced each other out. You know, the tuning fork was, like, humming. Uh, but, you know, with, with Blake, it's not just that miss, right? It is a, it's a pattern that is concerning, which is, you know, pressure kicks, right? That kick against the Packers that he missed, he missed from 29 against the Texans, which is just kind of like in your own head type of kick. He almost missed a PAT against the Jags. It hit the upright and went in. Um, you know, he's four for six from 40 to 49. Okay. That's just not you, you can't be four for six from forty to forty nine in today's NFL and keep your job. That said, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not sitting here and saying that there are better options sitting at home on their couch. Um, so I think the Saints are going to stick with him. Ah, man, it's going it, to like. Do you do you bring in play. someone to like challenge him, like to light a fire kind of deal, or who knows? Like maybe they know him better and that might throw him off worse. I don't know. 
I don't know. It's just it's just frustrating to watch because you know that's going to cost you a game. It already has cost you a game, or at right. least a chance to win a game. Like people say, oh, if he had made that kick against the Packers, they would win that game. Packers had a lot of time left and a timeout. They probably get downfield and have a chance to kick their own field goal. So I'm not putting that completely on him. Right. But you know, it's like he did that. Did cost you a chance to go ahead in that game? And you're gonna there, you're going to come down to a situation at some point this season where you need a kick to either tie it in the final minute or Absolutely. go ahead. And I just don't feel confident right now in in Blake Groupie doing that. And it's one of the it's what I said when they decided to keep him. It was like, you know, I think that he has been really good in camp. But what happens when when you got a pressure kick? And I know Will Lutz is nails in those scenarios, even if he's inconsistent at times. He's nails and pressure kicks and put away kicks. And like Will Lutz, when he would miss, it would be kind of like, oh, it's the first half and he's kicking from 46 and you know, wait, but like on the games on the line, he would make those kicks. When you have a chance to go up 10 points in the fourth quarter, he's making that kick. And that's a bad miss from him. And I'm sure Darren Rizzi is just, he's got heartburn. Even more horse. Yeah. Cause yeah, <laughs> he's going to be full Doc Rivers. But yeah, but Blake's it's got to be better. It's just frustrating. Cause I like Blake. I think he's a good kicker. I don't know what the deal is with him. I wonder if the Saints are just, they figure there's going to be these bumps along the way with the kid and you just kind of, you have to ride it out. I don't know. But yeah, the mind of a a kicker I hear is also a strange thing. So uh, that's another thing you got to, I don't know if he needs some kind of, uh, you you go visit the team therapist or whatever. It's just annoying because you could have just kept Lutz. Uh, Like, Like you got rid of Lutz because he had basically about, of what Blake Group is doing right now. Lutz is going to kick for 10 more years in the NFL. It's not like you're you're looking at a veteran kicker and you're being like, well, we want to get younger because then he's going to have time to... There's All you need is consistency out of your kicker. And and at least I know what to expect from Will. I don't know. I still don't... With, with, with Lutz, I always assume like, oh, maybe there was more to that core injury he had suffered that he came back from. And the Saints, you know, doctors, real, you know, they don't, they don't want anything more to do with them. Plus the contract. So sure, bring in the new blood and and ride it out kind of deal. I, I, but yeah, I mean, I think he's... He had a rough start in Denver, but Lutz has been pretty good. Yeah, so he he missed that one kick in week one. Right. He had... He actually missed... So that was from 50 plus. He actually had a miss extra this point last right? week against the Chiefs. Okay. Um, but those are his only two misses on the season. He's he actually hasn't, oddly enough, he hasn't attempted a kick from 40 to 49 yards. Zero. Sean Zero. knows. I'm not I'm not gonna put him in that situation, Sean says. He's also missed one extra point. So he's missed three kicks. And and I just like it, it's just I just don't understand the idea that's like I still don't understand. I just, you should have kept Lutz personally. I, I, I don't know. Like he's a fan favorite. I can understand moving on from group Gillikin because you just want it. Like, cause I, I think one thing that Darren Rizzi has made clear, they really like the ability to game plan their punts and, and limit returns in every possible way. And that's what they've done. Whether it looks pretty, whatever, like you with a kicker, you're just trying to make the kicks. There's nothing creative you're gonna do. Just make the damn kicks. Anyway, I, I don't and I don't want to be mean to to Blake. He's just you know he's very innocent looking and nice and friendly and he has a strong leg. That kick from 55 was was would have been good from 60. 
it's just man, the game on the line. You really just make your kicks, and everyone will love you. Yeah, and 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 everyone did until that Green Bay game, and now and then it was like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I think going into the season, we kind of with both. You know, both kickers, the punter, the place kicker. It was kind of like, wow, they're really going to go with two undrafted rookies. That that's that's the plan. And I mean, I, I think this is kind of what he expected from a little. You know, obviously ups and downs. Neither one was going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, the only other thing that I have to point to that didn't work was just the run game in basically every way. Um, that fourth and short, man, like, I think it's the right call. And if you're getting fourth and inches in plus territory, you go for it. Like it's easy to say in hindsight, well, you should have just kicked the field goal. But I also think you should have just got the first down. Uh, I think they got kind of hosed on the spot and the, and the Chris Olave catch. Cause that was, a, that looked like a first down to me generally. I don't know why they ended up having to go on fourth and inches, but, uh, especially cause they, they gave Tyson Bajan that, that that first down when I think pretty sure he was short. Uh, anyway, um, it's, I'd like to see the, the run game be more consistent. Uh, Bajan was going out of bounds and he stretched. Yeah. See, so you, you didn't think it was a first. No, cause the ball was out of bounds by the time he got there. But when it was a lave, like falling down at the marker, somehow it was, it was short. Anyway, I don't, I don't know. I, I like, like I, I am I am limited by the fact that they don't show a lot of these replays in the stadium. So I'm watching it one time, maybe twice. Yeah. Like I'm not seeing it on TV the way you guys are. No, to me at least, I I I thought that, you know, he had reached and gotten the first on, on that play. But it was it was close. And I'm I mean, uh I thought it was a heck of heck of a obviously reach by oh, it was Bajan, a great play. I, thought, I, thought, great I did play. thought he he cleared it. Um, unfo- I was you know, like one of those unfortunate. Ah, oh, shucks, he got it. But I didn't. Yeah, say I mean, shucks. whether whether it was a whether it was a first down or not, it was it was a great play by him. Uh, and like they would have been fourth and inches, and they'd have gone for it, right? right? So I, I mean, like I have no issue with the Saints. I honestly, you know, the punt that actually worked out for them was from the forty on like fourth and five, and I think they should have gone for it there. The Saints should have. It ended up working. Uh, Lou pinned him deep. They forced they forced a three and out. They get the ball in plus territory. I thought Rashid had a really solid game with his two kick returns. He had a couple of plays in the middle of the field. Yeah, I have no issue with the decision to go on fourth and inches. Um, but I do have an issue with nine carries for 26 yards, three carries for six yards, one carry for zero yards. Alvin, I mean, Alvin, very quiet game. He also had four catches for 44 yards. So, I mean, 13 touches for... Yeah, there wasn't really any kind of explosion from the offense today. No, and, and I mean, like, that's that's frustrating. Uh, but I, again, I think it's a situation where, you know, I talked about this before the game. You know, you go back to that Broncos game where they didn't have a quarterback. And you're just like, uh, I want to force them to beat me on offense. I don't want to do anything that's going mean, to – I don't want to put the ball in danger. I don't want to turn it over. You know, I, I want to I make them go the long way. And they weren't able to do it in the second half. They had that one long drive. They settled for a field goal. And I think that was a lot of it. Uh, and you were being conservative, you know, they still could have got it done, but yeah. Heck of a job they did on DJ Moore for sure. Yeah. And you know, one thing that was interesting, I, they didn't play, I mean, they played sides, you know, and we we're talking about that going in, whether they would have Marshawn shadow DJ Moore, they didn't. Uh, and I think that's just very telling of how confident they are in Paulson Adebo that it's like, the, yeah, put, put DJ Moore over on Paulson's side. Let's see how he does. 
Uh, and you know, and they also responded with three takeaways. So, you know, I think it worked. Anything else, anything else that didn't work that you want to point to before we move on? No, I mean, the, the fact that you weren't able to capitalize more, I guess, off the takeaways and extend this lead because it, it, that, that to me, it's like five, uh, one of the homework assignments the Cajun Cannon gave me after the post game was find out if any team has ever had five takeaways in a game and lost. Uh, and not just five takeaways, a plus five. Plus five. Know, right. Yeah. And a plus five and lost. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get back to you. But yeah, no, that, I mean, plus five is insane. <laughs> and to be a seven point win. That's oh, what's like. Oh, man. You know what didn't work is anyone who bet the Saints. Oh, oh I was talking about this. Some people like, Man, talk about Agita. Talk about Harper in that entire second half. Turnover after turnover after turnover. Missed field goal. Ah, oh, man, fourth and one, right? Fourth and inches. You can, you're like, oh, man, they're definitely going to kick that field goal and go up 10 here. <laughs> nope. <laughs> they get stopped, right? 47 yards. Ah, oh, they're definitely going to make this field goal and go up 10 here. Nope. They get stopped. And even on that last drive, if the Bears had stopped Taysom, Short of the first down, they would have ended up kicking that field goal because you have, you know, there's no point not to. You go up ten; it's a chip shot, right? And the Bears would get the ball back with like ten seconds left, just like the Colts did, with no chance to actually tie it. No backdoor but cover. They, but they got the first down. So anyone who, because like when I got that line, like I, I'm in a pick 'em pool and I took the Saints minus seven and a half. And I don't really care. It's not like I have any money on it. It just, it's like a, just a bragging rights thing. But I was like, man, if I had put money on the Saints to cover seven and a half and watch that whole second half unfold and be like, wow, I need to stop gambling because it is clearly not meant for me. Like, that's that's a brutal way to not cover. Um, and like the Saints should have won that game by three scores easily. Like they won it. It was ugly. They won it. But <laughs> gosh, it's, that's it's why I don't gamble, man. <laughs> You, you, we talk about it a lot too, obviously. And you look at what Vegas is able to do on a constant basis. It's like, how do they get it so freaking close, so consistently? It's almost like they, they know what they're doing. <laughs> they're not losing all their money, uh, but, but yeah, I, I did think that was very funny because, yeah, you know, like it's like that's it's the main reason I don't gamble. I, I, I'll put a a wager in every now and then, but I'm not putting any real money on anything because it's like. You won that bet if you you bet the Bears, you won that bet. You took the wrong end. Like you made the wrong bet, but you won because that's what sports betting is. <laughs> you, know? you know what's funny? We actually have a segment on Sports Talk Pick Six, and I'm behind Bobby Detillier and Charlie. So I did take the Bears in the points this week. Yeah, you made the wrong bet, but you came out ahead. Right. You know, <laughs> like that's, that's, that's why it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's meant to, it's meant to ruin you. Um, it can break you for sure. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to answer some viewer questions. This is inside black and gold is our post game edition. This is our first post game edition of this regular season that actually happened post game. Cause it's like the first home game they've had at a reasonable time. Uh, so uh, that's exciting. Although you can probably see it on my face. I'm kind of tired. I did watch the Giants. I, 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 mm, uh, Aiden O'Connell and uh, Antonio Pierce, the new <laughs> pat, the match made in heaven there. That Eagles Cowboys game was good. There were some good games this week. The Giants Raiders game was not one of them. Uh, Saints Bears was also kind of unwatchable if you're not a Saints or a Bears fan. 
probably i'm just assuming because i watched it but i can't imagine that was a that was a big a big draw on league pass this week let's put it that way i will um, say i have car in one fantasy league and i was so bad mad when Taysom vultured the one touchdown yeah he got one touchdown he did turn the ball over he had a decent day but yeah yeah not a not a not a that 300 yard passing uh uh streak came to an end and <laughs> right oh steve start me this week forget it he had yeah, two the- touchdowns Two touchdowns, right? Yeah, but Taysom had the one pass to Jawan. And I was oh, like, right, Wait a minute. I was uh, when he threw when the pass went to Jawan. I was like, all right, a third touchdown. Then it was like, oh wait, Taysom threw it. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, I mean, two hundred eleven yards, two touchdowns. It's a solid day. Yeah, that's Peace, like twenty points, right? Yeah, I mean, it, like that's that's about average. It's average or above average. Like you're not it's losing no, because of that. It's no CJ Stroud day. <laughs> it's not like the negative one I got from Deshaun Watson uh, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not CJ Stroud. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We will be right back on Inside Black and Gold. Back on Inside Black and Gold. And I probably, probably won't surprise you that Saints fans are not thrilled with a 24-17 win over the Bears. And, you know, there's a lot of this. There's a lot of this. Red T here. With as many turnovers as we had, we should have dropped 40 to 50. I now, 40 to 50, maybe. I, I don't think so. But, but you should have been in 40. the 30s. Uh. No question. You should have been over 30. You should have had probably 30... 31, maybe 34 with a field goal. But at the end of the day, it's it's like, it's I don't know, like you're winning that game. You're not, you're not behind by eight points. You're ahead by seven points. So you're going to play in a certain way. You know, like you can't complain about not kicking a field goal on fourth and inches if you're also complaining that the offense isn't putting enough points up. Because that's, that's the type, like, I like that call. I didn't like the call where you punted. But at the same time, it's like people are also going to say, there's Wayne Anderson. It's a good thing they played a subpar team. Had they played a good team, they would have lost in spite of five turnovers. That would have been laughable. But you can only play one team at a time. <laughs> it doesn't matter what other teams would have done in that exact scenario. It would be a different game. <laughs> that's that's such a dumb thing. You can only play the team you played. The transitive property does not work. We have seen it. It's not a thing in the NFL, right? <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you, you, you see some crazy results in the NFL. The frustration's um, real, though. You, I mean, I get it. I mean, I understand you, you should have blown this team out the water. I understand it. But like, unless you're gambling on the result, it doesn't really <laughs> matter. And I think you did see the offense move the ball. I think, sure, you would have liked to see them be more dynamic. But I don't know. I, I guess I, I I don't know. It's just like it's it's splitting hairs at a certain point to say like, yeah, okay, well, they should have done this. They should have done that. They won the game. So that, uh, yeah, that's that's the ultimate positive spin of it. They won the game. We're streaking, baby. We've won two in a row. And oh, guess what? Everyone else lost, and somehow. Little old New Orleans is atop the division. Yeah, all three other team, uh, all three of the other NFC South teams lost, and they, you know, it's like, and I get it. You want to see, we want to see the high flying offense every week. The Bears, it's solid. It's not great, but it's also not bad. 
And I think if you had needed to, you would have probably seen the offense open things up a little bit. But, you know, I again, my biggest issue is they didn't run the ball. I would have liked to see them run the ball. I don't really care how many points they put up. I want to see time of possession. Uh, I want to see them churning out first downs. And that's what they were unable to do. And that's frustrating to me because I think the run game had gotten going the last few weeks and you just weren't able to get to it today for whatever reason. So I want to look back on tape and see why that was. Who was failing in the run game? Because you got to get better in that regard. But, you know, I I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you look back and you're like, man, James Hurst probably should have been Max Garcia. (laughs) For you, what's more aggravating? Being plus five in the amount of points or the 100 yards rushing in the first half you gave up? Oh, 100 yards rushing easily. Because, you know, when, when when the turnovers, that's a plus, you know, like, I think there was a stat that someone pointed out that like every Saints offensive snap in the fourth quarter was on the Bears side of the field, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. Because uh, I don't think the Bears ever crossed midfield in the fourth quarter, and I don't think the Saints ever started on their side of the field because <laughs> of all the turnovers, um, which oh, is really man. kind of wild. I'd have to go back and double check that, but I pr- it, whether it's exactly true or not, it was pretty close. Like. The entire right. fourth quarter was pretty much played on one side of the field. And, you know, you it's like, sure, you want to make a field goal. You want to convert on that fourth and one. At the end of the day, you were in control of that game. So you're calling it in a certain way. I, 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 I don't know. You know, Mike Thomas, one target, zero catches. That shouldn't happen. I, I get it, though, that those days will happen once in a while kind of deal. Someone gets left out. If they're taking him away. That's one thing. And I, and I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's tough. Right. to. You'd have to go back and look to see how they were double teaming him and, and whatnot. There's opportunities to get the ball to Mike throughout the course of a game that you probably didn't take advantage of. I'd like to get him engaged. Although, I, you know, I was talking to Tyler about this, you know, and I think Mike said, made a comment at one point, which was like, I really want to get Mike involved earlier. He might, you know, I, I want to get him engaged early. And I actually think it's not true in terms of, I want to get Chris involved early. I feel like Chris yes, is one of the players. And there's wide receivers like this. It's like you want to get him involved early because that'll keep him engaged, right? You want to get his juices flowing. A guy like Mike, he's going to be there regardless. You don't necessarily have to get him involved. He's like Zen in one mode. Exactly. Exactly. He's there. He's always there. So I actually don't think you need to force the ball to him early to make sure you get peak Mike Thomas. I think you should try to do that for Chris. Um, Either way, you can't forget about him. You got to use him. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I think the passing part of the game plan, eh, there was some there was some weak spots. I don't, I don't know if this game was tech necessarily called as effectively as you'd like it to be. That right. said, you put up 24 points, you won the game. That's the thing. This offense, we, we still haven't uncapped it. I think that's the biggest takeaway from the last two games, honestly, Jeff, is that we're, everyone's left wanting more, including the Saints, obviously. Yeah, I agree with that. Trav504 says, Blake Groupie is Boomhauer from King of the Hill, and I can see it. I don't know, you know who show. that is. I know, you know of the show, I just don't know the show. You know who Boomhauer is? No. Oh, <laughs> anyway, he does kind of look like him. But St. John Butler with, a, with another Blake Groupie says, at what point do we bring in some kickers to challenge Groupie for his roster spot? I, I don't know if challenge is the right word. It's not like you're going to have him go out there and like go kick for kick with the guy. I, I mean, I don't think it happens this when, week. 
we know he's got the leg, right? That that's not the issue. It's like when yeah. when it comes down to the crunch time, when the lights are bright, can you make it? <laughs> I think you're going out to Minnesota. You're not bringing in a kicker this week, and you'd like to see him bounce back, right? I'd like to see him make a couple kicks. I'd like I'd like to see if this situation comes up again. He makes it, you know, and 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 then you go into the bye, and you you're you're feeling a little more confident about it. If you go out to Minnesota and he continues to struggle, then I think that's a bye week activity. I think. You know, well, you got you got basically two weeks and yeah, you start to make some calls and see who's available, maybe a Robbie Gold. But I don't think you're there yet, um, as frustrating as it's been. You know, he did make a 55 yarder in this game. It's not like, you know, like there's a there's a point at which you have to make a change and you're like, man, we cannot afford to have this continue. You have a guy make a 55 yarder in a game that kind of evens it out a little bit. Right. So. You know, the guy from the, you know, like you look at the kickers that like Justin Tucker's having a bad year. Are they going to cut Justin Tucker? No. <laughs> um, you know, Cairo Santos makes the kick this week. Are they going to cut Cairo Santos? Either way, the point is like guys miss kicks. You're not going to make every kick. So it's just a matter of like, can you get more consistent? Can you figure out what's going wrong? What went wrong on that kick? Can it be fixed? And I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think you're bringing in you're not doing that midweek. Let's put it that way. Like you're giving him a chance. And if his head's in the right place and you feel good about it, you're going to keep going to him. But it's just frustrating because you can, you can see in clear scenarios where this is going to cost you down the road. Um, that said, it's not any more inconsistent than you've seen the last two years. Right. <laughs> you know, last year with Lutz, you dealt with the same shit. Two years ago, it was worse. Oh. Do you remember the, the revolving door of Brett Maher and, Aldrich Rosas and Cody Parkey. Oh, there was another guy with a generic name, Greg Joseph, I think. Isn't Maher somewhere or he got cut again? He was in Denver. I mean, I think he's, That's he's, right. he's okay. everywhere. I feel like every right, right. week I see Brett Maher showing up on a different roster. Um, <laughs> the eternal yeah. nomad. Right. Like, it's like, I think it's easy to forget just how bleak it was in 2021 with with you know like Cody Parkey showed up missed two extra points and then got basically got cut at halftime. Uh, I just looked down Lehman Park chimed in saying he, they're trying out Monday. What? Lehman Park says I'm trying out Monday. Oh yeah, well yeah, he's Lehman Park is a is a is a car hater. Uh, I already we know about him. He's always going to be here making mean mean comments. He says five turnovers and we barely won at home with a hundred and fifty dollar million dollar QB, a defensive specialist head coach, and an offensive coordinator who's been coaching for forty years. That's None correct. of those numbers matter. That is correct, though. I guess, but you won the game. That's the part that it's like barely won. I mean, that this is one of those few. It's crazy. I know we saw we heard it from De- Dennis Allen. This is one of those wins where people are more pissed off than happy. But at the same time, what does barely one mean? Right? Like, what do you mean barely one? Barely. Right? I mean, uh, like, they won the with the ball. <laughs> the Bears didn't get on the same side of the field in the fourth quarter. I mean, they pretty well handled that game. It ended the way, you know, like, the way it ended was the way it should have gone from the beginning. They didn't barely win that game. It's not like they eked it out by the skin of their teeth. If they had come back and beaten the Packers, that would have been barely winning because like the Packers came back and took the lead and they had to come back like the bears until the bears actually showed that they could score. They didn't, they weren't, they weren't a threat in that game. So I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's like, it's like, what are you pointing to? It's like, Oh, 150 million. What does that matter? 
what does that have to do with anything? This is a guy who's he said three consecutive three hundred yard passing games, <laughs> and they and they what? I just don't understand the criticism there. For me, it was the fact that I I thought it should have been going in. I expected an easy victory for this team to able to handle the Bears. They looked like a team that was accomplishing that with all the takeaways, and then they weren't able to finish and made me sweat it out to the end. And no, I wasn't comfortable everywhere. I thought, oh, man, they, they've got this. I, I, at any moment, I was like, oh, man, the Bears are going to do something stupid here, and the Saints are going to end up you know, making the, the mistake that ends up letting them take the lead kind of thing. And it, it was a little too close for comfort. It was, The ugly victory, yeah, a win's a win, and I will take it. I will gladly enjoy my victory Monday. But uh, I, I totally get it from the fans, and like I said, head coach Dennis Allen being all pissed off. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more than happy to criticize the defense and say, like, man, that's that can't continue. You cannot continue to allow mobile quarterbacks to get away from you. From an offensive perspective, you did as, you did what you needed to do, right? You were efficient in the red zone. You moved the ball, but the run, you, the I mean, run game I could have helped. Run game could have helped solidify things. Yeah, the run game was a problem, but at the same <laughs> yeah. time, it's like, yeah, you make that field goal, you're up by ten, you pretty much ice the game right there. No, for sure. I, 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 and then you force a turnover immediately. Like, I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't consider that barely winning. But hey, maybe I'm a. Maybe I'm an optimist. I, I did watch. You're a homer. I've watched. I have watched. <laughs> I think it's more about. I have watched so much ugly football this year, not involving the Saints. Like, like there's a lot of bad offensive football teams out there. So I don't know when I see a team put up 24 points and probably, yeah, they left some points on the board. They left some points on the field, but at the same time, you didn't need those points. So I, I, I don't know. Like I watch teams flail about week after week after week. And then I, and then I'm just like, yeah, they he's like, they did what they needed to do to win. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and cry about it. Uh, I'm more worried. If it's like, Hey, how can you continue to win games? Get better. Um, Here's a here's one from Omar. The kicking problem, the kicking kicker is a problem, including Olivia. Thank you for the for the tip. Um, he meant he meant a lot. Of, he meant uh, I don't know what he Olave. meant. He said, but the kicking is a problem. The kicking is a problem, including Olivia. I don't know what that means. <laughs> hmm. I think maybe he's trying to say Olave, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah, anyway, I don't I know. Did, the did, did, he live, did Olivia Dunn show up at the game and distract him? Maybe that that would explain a lot. Actually, there you go. Um, all right, let's get to some more questions here. Bryant George, pass rush needs to get better. I I agree. I think the pass rush has been an issue. Um, Isaiah Foskey went out early in this game, which I was disappointed yeah, right. in because I think that you know as you go in the season, the goal is to get him more and more snaps. He had ten snaps against the Colts. I think he showed well. I think he was probably in line for another 10 to 15 snaps today, especially like situational pass rusher snaps. And one thing that that Isaiah Foskey and people are like, oh, Foskey doesn't do anything. Well, one thing that Foskey is able to do is he's athletic and he's versatile and he can kind of range about a little better than some of these other guys. And I think that's that's why you brought him in. And it's frustrating to see him go down. I think he got hurt. He had a thigh issue that I'm pretty sure happened on the opening kickoff, which <laughs> it's frustrating. Um, so you didn't really see him, but I, I agree. You got to find something in the pass rush. And I think, you know, you, you expect to get Peyton Turner back at some point. So, you know, I don't know. People aren't going to be excited about that either, but 
you know, I, I do think you have some bodies there that you can try to do some interesting things with. Yeah, he wasn't put on season-ending IR, right? There's no such thing as season-ending IR. So you can just be – you don't have to differentiate between the two when you first put the player on? If you go on IR in the preseason, that's season-ending. You cannot come back. If you go okay. on IR during the regular season – anyone is eligible to come back. You don't have to designate them to return, but there's no such thing as season-ending IR versus non-season-ending IR, if that makes sense. Yeah, because, I mean, it was week one that Turner went down, right? Yes. So, yeah, I haven't heard. It's really not a a week thing. It's just when is he ready to come back, which, you know, the list rank injury. I think when Trevor – so Trevor went down – with his last year in the final week of the preseason. So that's two weeks prior to week one. So if you bump that out, Trevor came back, he was back on the field week 12. So I think probably week 14 would be maybe week 13 would be the target. All right. So, I mean, you're getting, you're getting close and maybe he's a guy who can help bolster some things uh, later in the year, but you know, it's tough. He's, you, you haven't been able to stay in shape probably. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I think Foskey's a guy that I'd like to see get more run, and maybe that'll help uh, spur things a little bit. Mr. O Universe says Saints got another possible running QB in Minnesota. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get a chance to watch a second of that game with Josh Dobbs. It was Jaron Hall actually started, then got right. hurt. Josh Dobbs took over and apparently played pretty well. So, I don't know. Maybe the Saints got something. I, I think more of it is like the guy shows up and you just don't know what he's going to do. And that's frustrating. And I think we talked about this prior to the to the game. It's I think that's a factor in why the Saints are struggling. They're facing all these quarterbacks that they can't prepare for. I mean, they can prepare for them to some extent, but they there's not a lot of tape. And so they're going to do some things that you're not expecting. And I think that probably caught the Falcons this week because they just were not prepared for what Josh Dobbs was going to do. And they weren't prepared for what Jaron Hall was going to do either, for that matter. Um, but the Saints are going to be in that same boat next week. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously Dobbs was a guy coming in, having made some starts this year with Arizona, but man, just showing up and and being able to do that's mighty impressive. And everyone always is touting the guy's brain. So maybe that helps him digest the playbook a lot quicker. Yeah, he's like an aerospace engineer. Right. (laughs) Saints for life. Everybody's running on the Saints. Go look at the last four plus games. People are gashing the DL. Uh, They have not stopped the run very well the last few games. I will say that uh, I think against the Jaguars, they actually did stop the run pretty well. I don't think ETN got off much, but because uh, Trevor Lawrence was their leading rusher, so I don't think they got gashed in that game per se. But ETN did have one nice run for a touchdown. They haven't stopped the run as well, and, and I think so. It's not inde- like those two things are not independent of each other. The the struggles containing quarterback versus the struggles stopping yeah. the run because when you're struggling to contain the quarterback and you have to adjust, you can't just fire off the line because you have to, you know, contain. And so I, you know, those two things work hand in hand when, when the other team is able to get the, the quarterback out and run the ball with the quarterback and, and force you to adjust that way. It makes it a little easier, makes life easier on the running back in the, in between the tackles. So no, it's, that's it's been what, an issue. Yeah. That's something with the, like you said, the run defense, to me, really, obviously, last season was the start of everything. Before that, they I thought that the unit was, you know, pretty proficient and stout against the run and known, you know, for their run defense. And just like last year, things fell apart and it has sadly continued into this year. I thought the changes maybe they'd make up front would help. 
Yeah, I mean, that's possible. Big Mill says Saints defense looked like LSU defense in the first half. Couldn't stop anything. I, and I disagree with that because the, the LSU defense, it's just chunk play, chunk play, chunk play, touchdown, chunk play, chunk play, chunk play, touchdown. Like the Saints have at least forced teams to execute underneath. And that's kind of what you're seeing is they're not allowing big plays over the top. Did you see any chunk plays in this game, really? No, it was all catch and run. It was crossers. And those are frustrating because, you know, if you can't get pressure and you allow them to get across the field, it's really tough to, you know, like you're 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 playing a lot of man. So when they're crossing, you're like, okay, is Paul Sandibo going to run all the way across the field to cover this guy? That's really tough. These are fast receivers. The receivers are typically faster than the corners. Uh, so that's, you know, the, the if you have to chase after a guy long enough, he's going to gain ground. So, I mean, I think that's part of it is you're trying to keep everything underneath. You're not allowing plays over the top and they're just getting first downs and, and marching downfield. And over time you expect, okay, well, they're not going to be able to do that. That's kind of how NFL defenses are operating in the modern age of, of football is, you know, forcing teams to execute. How many times can you execute a 10 plus play drive without screwing up, without fumbling, without throwing an interception, right? Without, you know, a, a holding penalty or a big sack that kind of gets you off schedule. And, you know, the Bears were able to do that in the first half. They weren't able to do that in the second half. I think that's the difference. Yeah. And unfortunately, there were times, though, that Bajan ended up looking like Milrow running around. He did look he looked better than I expected. Um, yeah, way way better than I expected. Came down to earth in the second half, but he made yeah. some plays. He made some plays in that first half I was impressed with. And that's kind of what we what we heard about from uh, uh Chris Emma when we talked to him in the pregame was like right. uh you know, he he understands how to play quarterback. He looks like a quarterback out there. He makes good reads, he makes good decisions. The arm talent is not what you would hope for for an NFL starter. And I you know what Compton to Taylor Heineke, I think he looked a lot like Taylor Heineke out there. You know, played very similarly in the sense that it's like he makes he makes the right reads. I just don't know if he can make all the throws. And my new least favorite NFL word that everyone seems to love to use now is moxie. He's got moxie. God, how many times are we going to hear about quarterbacks the fans are facing with moxie? He's got moxie. It's basically just saying, okay, well, he's not very good, but he's going to try hard. <laughs> right. He's a try hard. Right, 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 right. Uh, Lehman Park says he likes me. I appreciate that. It's because I it's because I make fun of him. Poke somebody to, to get him to like him. Ron Volus. Ron Volus says Bears rolled over the Saints. I think he got it backwards, but whatever. Easy victories don't happen that often. You're underestimating the Bears. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're underestimating the Bears, but I do think that you're underestimating the idea that these that an NFL team is not going to show up and put up a fight. Like, like that's the yeah. biggest difference. Like, and I, and I say this a lot, like when you look at college versus the NFL, there are going to be games in college where if this team does not win by 40, if LSU doesn't go and face for me and win by 40, then that is a disappointment for them in the NFL. That doesn't exist. The baseline is so much higher that like the, the competition level, the parity is so close it's like, yeah, you got to go out there and execute and you got to play a top level or you will lose, right? Like this Bears team beat up on the on the Raiders a few weeks back. The Raiders just went and beat up on the Giants, right? <laughs> the Giants beat up on the the Giants beat the Cardinals, the Cardinals beat the Cowboys. Like 
it's weird stuff happens. The pa- oh, here, here's a better one. The Saints went out and shut out the Patriots 34 to nothing. Same stadium. The Patriots beat the Bills like three weeks later. Like the, two the weeks Jets later. beat the Eagles. The Jets beat the Eagles. And then like they, they had the punt competition against the Giants last week. Like <laughs> it's not as simple as saying this team's better than this team. So this team didn't win by enough, so they suck. I don't know. There's no, there's no, there's no AP rankings. You know, it's not a committee. It's just records and who's got the better one. And right now, like we said earlier, NFC South, number one, baby. Number one. <laughs> so, so ugly. So ugly. I'll take it. I, I like happy podcasts. Says, I appreciate this channel so I can let some steam out. I, I appreciate it too. I just give you a hard time. I just like to, if I didn't have people to complain about, what would I talk about? <laughs> Uh, anyway, so here's, here's one, la- one, one last one. Charles Hudson, the NFL has it set so that teams are afraid to hit the QB. NCAA is the same, unless you're Alabama, because I don't know what targeting is anymore because I saw targeting and it wasn't called. Not that it wouldn't have changed the result, but man, that was the worst. I mean, it's like, what's the point of targeting if that's not the call? Anyway, the NFL, I agree that the, I think one of the reasons Tyson Bajan was able to reach out and get that first down is because Marcus May was afraid to hit him. It's the second time this season Marcus May has appeared afraid to hit a quarterback as he ran down the field. He did the Correct. same thing against Bryce Young, and he's just kind of like Olaid in the middle of the field. And, you know, Marcus, like, like again, I said this in the first segment, I think Marcus May, you're going to have to start to look at Jordan Howden and say, is he the better option? And I don't think you're there yet, but I, I just, I don't, I'm not a fan of how Marcus plays in space. We, in coverage, I think he's fine. When he's kind of in zone, or he's kind of. I was gonna, sorry, you may end up seeing Howden getting more and more snaps if you know that that decline, like you say, you keep you're seeing there w- with May. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anything was spectacular either from him, except for the interception. Obviously, I think he covers pretty well. <laughs> I just don't know if he plays angles particularly well. I think he gets lost in space at times. Uh, and that's not what you want to like. That's not what you expect to say at, about a veteran safety. So I, I don't know. Like, like again, like I don't think the back end of this defense has been a problem. Like I think they've done a good job of taking away big plays. And the issue has been coming up and tackling when teams go short. Cause that's what you saw. I mean, Cole Komet, Cole Komet was the problem in this game, right? When, when this, when the bears got things going offensively, it was Cole freaking Komet. He caught that first touchdown pass through Tyron Matthew. Yes. <laughs> like, like Tyron was there. Tyron was like, I got it. I'm going to make an interception. And Cole literally just bowls through him. And oh, man. I also thought Alante Taylor could have had an interception, but he got it. Like, I think it was DJ Moore, maybe Darnell Mooney just like grabbed his arm and pulled him. They're like, are you going to call that? Like, what's going on? Anyway, that's all I got. I don't have anything else. What do you got? No, it just, uh, Overall, a little too much sweat for uh, an opponent that, you know, you thought you a lot, everybody, even Vegas for eight and a half point spread that it ended up moving up to would easily handle. But yeah, a win is a win is a win. We'll take it. Hallelujah. Five and four feels better than four and and six or four and five. Sorry, you can't lose two. Kind of reminds Um, me of the game in, in 2021 when they went up to New York and beat the Jets. With Zach Wilson, and everyone was like, "Man, that guy sucks." 
I remember tweeting after that and being like, man, Jack Wilson's a lot worse than I thought he was. <laughs> I think we've kind of, I think everyone's kind of caught up with that take. I, um, I guess we got to, we got to just ride it out the, the wave of winning now and just hope for three in a row. And uh, the, Minnesota is one of those teams too. I know that gets in, you know, who that's heads because of the postseason demises we've had against them. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum, Sam Bradford, I think, was the quarterback when they lost to him in 2018. Uh, Remember, they started 0-2. I think Sam Bradford was the Vikings quarterback for that game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things. It's like, if you you win this game, you're, you're on a two-game winning streak. If you can go out and beat Minnesota, get on a roll, go on the bye, and then come back, and all of a sudden, it's like, no one's going to be thinking about, man, we should have beat the Bears by more. You're thinking, oh, man, we're on a three-game winning streak. We're in control of the NFC South. Let's yeah. freaking go. And and I frankly am just like, the, like I, we talked about this in the pregame show. This is the time of year where in the past two seasons, you have let way too many games get away, right? And that's and you come down to the end of the season, you're like, well, this is why we didn't make the playoffs because we couldn't close out a game against the Giants because we couldn't, you know, close out a win against the Falcons because we couldn't do this because we couldn't do that. Well, you're not thinking about that after a win, right? You're thinking about that after a loss. And so I look at it as, okay, you found a way to win. Good teams find ways to win. You're not going to always win pretty. And I don't know if this is a good team, but it's getting better. And so we'll see. But that's it. Uh, anyway, Steve, I appreciate you hanging out. Uh, Steve's had a long day. We've both had long days, but Steve's had exactly. a long day. Same difference. He's, but Steve's had to wrangle Bobby Bear all day. I've kind of just had to wrangle my own thoughts in my brain. So it's a little, and I'd like to think that. that's a little easier. But all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Steve, for coming on here. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Gell. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Uh, give us a rating. Give us a review. We will be coming back with a new episode that posts on Wednesday. Uh, it's a little different this week. We, we're just on the schedule that we'd love to have every week. It just doesn't always work out. So as always, everyone, appreciate you being in here. Thanks, everyone. For leaving a comment, Saints 5 and 4, 24 17 victory over the hapless Bears. Next week, Minnesota. I'm excited about it. I've never been to Minnesota, so I'm excited to take the trip. Anyway, who that? Go Saints. Down with Skull. Skull down. All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace. <laughs>